Welcome to Off Screen, Let's Get Cinematic. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is your seven day guide to everything movies whilst in lockdown. Boom. <laughs> terms of conditions, terms of conditions. We have to add the and lockdown. Well, I definitely think it's going to be a time when we'll look back on these particular episodes and be like, wow. Either lockdown lasted longer than we thought it was, or it's um, it's it's an entire collection, a portfolio of lockdown episodes, or we're just going to end up going, what a weird point in time that was. Um, I'm hoping it's the mm-hmm. latter, to be honest. I think so, and of course, you know, it's all about movies at home now, so even new movies that are getting released. We got shown Astronaut, for instance, I think it was six or seven weeks ago now, and that's fallen through the, the release cracks, as it were, because of, you know, coronavirus and the lockdown, the quarantine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've got two new movies to talk about. They're both out on Video On Demand. You can watch them uh, at home from today. Uh, let's start with the first one of those. New film from Sheila McLeod. Actress turned uh, director, evidently. Oh, nice. Start on Doctors. On, uh, is Doctors on BBC One? I, I don't know. I think it's might be. It re- I, Doctor's it might Casualty be. all kind of rolls into one, doesn't it? <laughs> it does a bit, but I've I've done media at uni, so I've I've been taught the uh, extolled extolled the virtues of uh, learning screenwriting by working on Doctors, which seems to be the go-to uh, uh, platform for up-and-coming writers now. It's either Doctors or one of the soaps, I think. Nice. But, uh, anyway, so let's let's talk about Astronaut then, which is uh, a Doctors actress Sheila McLeod's uh, new film. Her feature debut, the stars uh, Richard Dreyfuss as a lonely widower who's been put in a home. He's a retired uh, engineer. He is uh, presented with the opportunity to enter a lottery to become the one designated passenger on the first commercial space flight, which is being run by Colm Fiore as this sort of Elon Musk-Tim Cook hybrid. However, Dreyfus thinks there might be something wrong with the runway. Nobody wants to listen to him, and the only person who will pay any attention his way is his doting grandson. Looks so close. Yeah, like you can reach out and touch it. People have been looking up at the stars forever. And I think it's always for the same reason. What? To see where we belong. (laughs) That's a question I've been asking myself my whole life. Wish I could be an astronaut. You can. You can be anything you want. They only want smart people. Well, you're smart. I got a D in math. Hey. I wasn't very good at math myself. So it's a game of two halves. You've got the one storyline. On the other hand, is he going to get to pursue his dreams of going into space and winning this lottery? Or is it the storyline about, is the runway going to collapse? It's one of those. It feels like, it feels very 90s, the premise of this. It feels Mm. like it's something that I would have expected to have seen in yesteryear and and actually would have really enjoyed. Um, I'm not sure kind of how exciting it would be for today's audience, but I think I, 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 (laughs) do you know what I mean? It will resonate with certain people, I think. I think so, definitely. And it, it is pitched squarely at the sort of the uh, the sunset movie uh, crowd. You know, the kind of go for the comedies, the older people who go for those kind of Diane yeah. Keaton comedies, and yeah. Um, but this seems a lot more. The set tap market, yeah. yeah. This is more of a, uh, a sort of, I would say, measured, a little bit more light-hearted. Uh, you can imagine a more deadpan, serious, gritty, award-winning version of this starring Clint Eastwood being made like 15 years ago or yeah. something like that. But the success here is down to that performance uh, by Richard Dreyfus, which is genuinely terrific. Uh, brings a lot of heart to it. You never quite buy into the cornball aesthetic. It manages to avoid that. It doesn't buy into its own cheesiness, which uh, is a good thing. It's quite well-balanced, I will say, and a lot of the 
the strength of that is down to the writing. Shane mm-hmm. uh, McLeod's had a hand in the, the screenwriting as well. Um, you do feel that there is something of a labour of love behind this, yeah. and the, the the relationship between the grandfather and grandson, I think, is is very well played. Uh, it's a couple of that guy from that thing kind of roles in there. So you yeah. got Colm Fiore and uh, Graham Greene, and it, I liked it very much. I came out of it feeling enchanted. I felt heartwarmed, nice. as it were. That's nice. It's quite hard to warm your cold heart, so. <laughs> <laughs> enough, enough to get two thumbs up out of me. Wowzers, gosh, that is quite a thing. I thought you'd probably give it about a one and one and a half, one and three quarters. But hey, if it's a good recommendation, where can we catch it right now? So this is going to be on on video on demand platforms. You'll be able to get this through Amazon, through iTunes, the usual uh, where you know wherever you get your movies, as it were. That isn't uh, your online monthly scre- screaming, uh, screaming, streaming <laughs> subscription, a screaming subscription. A screaming, Very different. Uh, that's for uh, anyone liking horror, I think. <laughs> which this certainly is not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of where we're going next, actually. Oh, interesting. Um, Horror on the high seas? Uh, Horror on the high seas, but played as a drama, sort of tension-filled drama, at least in theory. So this is uh, Sea Fever, it's called, and you just know that's a sort of working title or something because it doesn't fit the film whatsoever. And also, this maybe wasn't the best time to release this one. So this is new movie starring Hermione Caulfield, Dougray Scott, Connie Nielsen, and he's about the crew of a, uh, a, a an Irish trawler. They are marooned at sea. They are sort of just off. They're just off away from the port, and they discover that they have a parasite in their water supply. They have a saltwater parasite that's gotten into their freshwater supply. It's going to infect them one by one. There's tension. There's paranoia. There's talk of quarantine and endangering people. And I tell you what, let, let, let's have a listen to it going full John Carpenter's The Thing on us. I don't see anything. What would I do you? Hmm. I don't see Look any- again, it's really faint. What's it? Do me. Not you, Ahmed. Oh, come on, just let her do it. So, yeah, it's very much that uh, everyone's tired and nobody trusts each other. Kind so, of an idea. Hang on a sec. This sounds familiar. Is it coronavirus on the on the sea? <laughs> is that how this one's playing out? Is this more topical? Is this a documentary? Is this what happens on the cruise uh, ships? <laughs> well, this is the, it's, it's a tight 95 minutes. It, it pitches itself as a sci-fi horror, but actually it unfolds more like a drama. It has something of a, an almost televisual drama. It's not a huge movie. It's not a particularly great movie. Um, the performances are there, I suppose. It, it's just not a particularly captivating or, or enthralling uh, thriller, really, and you feel like it needed more suspense in there. I also feel like any film that's got Dougree Scott in it is kind of along those lines <laughs> because it's kind of like he could have done so much more with his career, but he just ends up in those kind of mediocre roles. Do you, you know the story of Dougree Scott, don't you? Because we've got two minutes to fill anyway. We might as well do the Do you know the actual story of Dougree Scott? No, I don't. I can't even right, pronounce his Scott. <laughs> It's it, he's do it's it's Doug it's Doug Ray but he's pronounced Do Gray apparently. Do-gray. So Do Gray Scott was cast as Wolverine once upon a time. Wow. Okay, that would have been a different yes. film. Yep. And in the summer of 2000, the intention was that we were going to have the release of Mission Impossible 2 and X-Men, both of which would star Do Gray Scott as the villain in Mission Impossible 2 and as Logan in the first X-Men movie. 
However, Mission Impossible 2 overran, the reshoots were required, and this cut into X-Men filming time, and as a result, he had to drop out, and a young musical performer named Hugh Jackman landed the role instead. Oh, that is painful. And now he's in films like Sea Fever. (laughs) (laughs) Sea Fever and Taken 3. (laughs) (laughs) He's a great villain, though. I think Dougary Scott is, um, you know, if he'd have really kind of really push that niche quite like what mark strong has done you know playing a really good solid villain he would have had a really strong much stronger career in that sense but i mean who am i to judge he's still working it's a great thing he's on he's on telly now he's uh, batwoman's dad he's uh, he's the chief of the crows in gotham in batwoman i think whatever pays the bills Exactly. Alas, he's he's perfectly fine in uh, in Sea Fever. The cast all genuinely are. Um, Hermione Caulfield. I'm actually I was actually very intrigued to see a proper meaty dramatic role for uh, Hermione Caulfield. I wish it was in a better film because I like Hermione Caulfield a great deal. Um, she starred in uh, uh, Henry Fitzherbert's uh, film. You know, Henry Fitzherbert, the film critic, went into screenwriting this past year, right? And she has yeah, she starred in uh, his movie uh, Born a King, I believe. Uh, but Sea Fever. It's a disposable 95-minute schlock on the high seas kind of a drama. I think it takes itself a little bit too seriously. I think it goes a bit too out there at the end for how sombre and and flat note they're playing it. But a fine enough effort. I'd give it one thumb because it is a little bit cool to see this done as a drama, I suppose. I think you had me with the word schlock. And I think that's kind of summed it up perfectly for us. So there you go. Sea Fever, Astronaut, both out on video demand right now. Welcome back to Offscreen. And we are continuing your lockdown showcase of movies. And normally this would be quite a different segment, but it's not because we're all in the same place right now. But we are looking at movies on TV. This is your first half of your week-long selection. And one of the ones that we're going to kick off with this Saturday night is something I haven't seen in years, but I'm really hoping that when I do watch it at at 4.40pm on Channel 5, it's not going to have dated. This is Jim Carrey's The Mask. I mean, let's get going with this. This is incredible. Um, Jim Carrey, the debut of Cameron Diaz, incredible technology for its time, and an iconic. Yeah, and an iconic character. What's not to love? Really big sunglasses. White <laughs> corn. Smallmouth bass. Wow. Bowling pin. Mm. Ah, ah. Yeah. Mouse trap. Rubber chicken. Little to the left. That's it. I don't know. Any eyeball glasses? I've never seen those before in my life. Bazooka? I have a permit for that. Picture of Killaway's wife? What? Uh-oh. Margaret! You son of a... Jeez, I figured you had a sense of humor. After all. You marry her! Ah! That's gotta hurt. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I'm such a big fan of uh, of the Jim Carrey performance in this, and of course, you know, it's it's interesting now to see a you know late twenties in his late twenties erudite Jim Carrey playing a sort of 
downtrodden everyman because we're used to him now being so much wackier. And of course, this is the whole Jekyll and Hyde idea. It's the mask of Loki, who of course is a, you know, a character from mythology who's taken on a whole other meaning now, thanks to Marvel. And like you say, those groundbreaking special effects, which were just unheard of at the time. And you know what? It's funny because you see Jim Carrey now, like most recently in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and he's doing elements of what you've previously seen in things like The Mask. For me, now it's a little bit cringe because it's just been done so many times. But back in the day, this was so fresh. And this was something that just, like, it's groundbreaking on so many levels. He, he was a totally different actor to anyone else on the market at the time. And it just completely, it cemented him. He was, and this was, of course, uh, this was the middle entry of what I call the Jim Carrey Big Three, uh, which are the three films he released back-to-back, which were, of course, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, and then Dumb and Dumber. And over the course of about 12 months, which is a hell of a run for any actor. He nailed it. That's the level of, yeah, that's the level of success we only really expect of, like, Dwayne Johnson or Kevin Hart now. Yeah, absolutely, and actually... You can't even compare those guys to what Jim Carrey was back in the day. Um, Those movies, all three of those movies, for anyone of a certain age, i.e. our age, probably 30 upwards, (laughs) you you look at them in such a nostalgic, um, you know, like really nice kind of throwback, and it doesn't date. It just brings back all of those fun lines and things. Mm. And and actually, I think if we revisit The Mask this weekend... You'll see again, yeah. there's, there's things that you've forgotten that will just brilliantly come back up and, and remind you of again, which I think is just going to be brilliant. And yeah, you're right, the Jekyll and Hyde side of things has worked so, so well with him. Well, that's it as well, because it's a very quotable film. That's what I always mm. remember about it. It's one of those films, you, you'll, you'll rewatch it and you will quote along with it. you be like, somebody stop me. You'll be doing all that stuff along yeah. with it because... It is such an iconic 90s comedy. It yeah. so is. Definitely worth revisiting. Yeah. Now, moving on to Sunday night, if you want something a little bit less wacky. Uh, <laughs> I'm not <really> sure. <laughs> a bit edgier. A bit edgier. We've got Sabotage, film for 11.05pm, so it's a bit of a late one, but we know lots of you are staying up late right now. So, Van, tell us a little bit more about Sabotage. So Sabotage was one of the intended comeback vehicles for a post-politics Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, This was uh, directed by uh, uh, David Ayer, of course, who went on to give us Suicide Squad and Bright after this. And one of my favourite films, um, the cop film with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Peña. End of Watch, which was exactly three years before this, I believe. I think that was his film before this one. Oh, God, it's such a a brilliant film. (laughs) Sorry. Going into my own little world with that. Um, you're quite all right. It's important to treasure End of Watch, yeah. I think, because it was that good. Yeah. Definitely. So, Sabotage stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Joe Manganiello, Sam Worthington, Terrence Howard. Uh, it's uh, Olivia Williams is in there, Harold Perrineau Jr. It's got a hell of a cast. The idea is that Schwarzenegger is Breacher. He is the leader of an elite DEA special weapons and tactics team. They take down the worst of the worst for the DEA. And uh, one day, they take down a cartel sort of safe house that just happens to be filled with a lot of cash. They take a bunch of it and they stash it in the sewer and they blow the place up to sort of cover their tracks. And then many months later, before they can go and retrieve the cash, as they'd all previously agreed, the team starts getting picked off one by one. Any of this is a surprise to you? Just let it go, huh? Surprise to you, sugar? I don't really know what you're talking about. Guess I'm the only one with any balls here. It's a goddamn money. Just let, let it go, all right? No! It's an occupational hazard when you fight the cartels. Oh, really? 
You see any other feds getting smoked? It could happen to anyone. You believe that, Chief? Or is that just some you're spitting in case this place is bugged? Always assume that someone is listening. I'm gonna fight you, boss. Manganiello and Arnie there. Now that's a pairing. The thing that I like about what David Ayer does, particularly, I'm, I'm referring specifically to End of Watch, he gets that kind of mm. buddy comedy feel to it, but also the tension builder in this. Now I imagine mm. ten, he's good, at, really good at, at building tension. Do we find that a lot in Sabotage? I don't know, I think to be honest, of all the Ayer films, this feels, I think, the most plot-centric. Okay. But by virtue of how twisty turning is, the who's playing who, what's really going on behind the scenes, who's double-crossing which one, kind of, it's not the greatest film. Okay. I can see why Arnie would have done this as a potential comeback vehicle. So I think he did this and there was The Last Stand around the same time as well. There were a couple of films out at the same time. This, I can see the appeal of. It doesn't quite get there, but the effort is notable and appreciative. You, you can definitely get taken and go, I can see why you would do this. This mm. has got a lot going for it. And it is, to be fair, it's worth it just to see that cast going to town on one another, seeing Sam Worthington versus Joe Manganiello versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a great, it's a, it's a great uh, cast to see you know, at each other's throats. And to have David Ayer doing it, as you point out, a guy who gets the buddy element but never never skips on the grit, I think is uh, is worth saying. I would definitely check it out. So there you go. For all you late-night watchers, that's on at Film 4, 11.05pm on Sunday. Now, starting off your new week, uh, we have... 3.10 to Umar on Sony Channel, 9pm. This is a Western, isn't it? It is. This is James Mangold, uh, director, of course, who gave us uh, Ford v Ferrari this last year. Nice. He gave us the last two uh, Wolverine movies as well. Uh, I'm a big Mangold fan. Yeah. And uh, this is his remake of... I don't know if he's remaking the 50s movie or mm. if he's freshly adapting the Elmore Leonard novel this is taken from. Um, this stars uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. And it is the story of a downtrodden uh, uh, rancher who's you know in financial hardship, and to make ends meet to save his family, he takes on the job of escorting a recently arrested uh, gang leader, played by Russell Crowe, um, to this train that will escort him to prison. That train cleverly being the 310 to Yuma, hence the clever title. How much you get for a day's work? Two dollars. Want to hire out? Well, there's two dollars for half a day. You took up my boy's time, too. You're right. I did. Anything else you want to get paid for, Dan? Give me five dollars extra. And what's that for? making me nervous. As you can tell, two great actors there that uh, really, really want to go for that awards fodder with this one, I think. And were they successful, I suppose, is the question. I'm not so sure. I don't think so. I think this got good reviews but was kind of overlooked. It's a great movie, though. Uh, yeah. Brilliant performance from Bale because he's awake and uh, <laughs> great performance from Russell Crowe because he showed up. So... You know. <laughs> Do you know what? I, this is a film that I have tried to sit down and watch probably two or three times and never quite got round mm. to to sitting through it. I struggle a bit with Westerns, so I need to kind of be in the right frame of mind to watch yeah. this. But I've heard such great things about it. And in terms of having good movies 
on TV to, to kind of round up your weekend and into your new week. You've got The Mask, you've got Sabotage, you've got 310 to Yuma. You've got so much to choose from that I'm pretty sure you're not you're going to be spoilt for choice and not worried about what you're going to be doing this weekend if you are stuck in lockdown. So go and enjoy. We've got more to come. And we're back on the couch with the best offerings on Freeview for the rest of the week, Miss Perfect. And, well, I couldn't resist this. When I saw that this was going to be showing on on TV, I had to recommend your Tuesday night entertainment be literally nothing but the faculty on Five Star at 10pm. Do you remember the faculty? I do, and Josh Hartnett... I uh, one of my show <laughs> one of my showbiz moments. I was at Chateau Marmont in LA, as you do, and was as you would do, as yeah. you do. And I was sat on the table next to Josh Hartnett, and Penny Dreadful had finished, and all I could think of was, what is Josh Hartnett doing now? Because <laughs> he had such a heyday. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting career that he actually is in complete control. Like he has done interviews in recent years where he has said, look, the reason I'm not the big, I wasn't the biggest heartthrob in the world is because I. I decided naively to just pursue projects with directors I was interested in working with. Like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, why not? I mean, but the thing is, is that you don't see him working Mm. as busily now. So Robert Pattinson, as a great example, had a big claim that has chosen really exciting things and then has built up his career once again away from Twilight to see him work in things like Batman, which we're going to see him in. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's all down to him. Interesting. Interesting coincidence, though. Uh, Josh Hartnett was has at different points turned down both Superman and Batman, so there is that yeah. element to it. Decided to be a werewolf in a really, really good uh, <laughs> urban legend TV show. Anyway, the faculty, fantastic. Like this kind of falls into your cruel intentions, the craft, like that kind of genre of teen mm-hmm. movies that people remember. And I, I, you know, again, I'll revisit this. I did really enjoy it. This one is uh, effectively Invasion of the Body Snatchers at a high school. So the idea is it's the alien invasion through a high school. We follow a, a plucky young group of kids led by a Zeke, Josh Hartnett, with his very fashionable for 1998 haircuts. Uh, the school nerd who's played by Elijah Wood. Uh, Laura Harris is in there. Clea Duval, Sean Hatosi, And, of course, the goddess herself at the time, uh, Jordana Brewster, who I've nothing but amazing things to say about. Um, I just am a big fan of uh, Jordana Brewster. Can't help myself. Fast yeah. and furious guy. Uh, tell you what, here's Elijah Wood laying the, land, laying the land for us. And where do all these movies come from anyway? How do we know Spielberg, Lucas, Sonnenfeld, Emmerich haven't been visited by aliens? You know, maybe they're aliens themselves. Maybe they're simply preparing us for what's to come. You know what, Casey? It's fiction, okay? It's science fiction. Exactly. Everybody gets hung up on the science part, which has nothing to do with it. They're getting at us to the fiction. So... Aliens have just been setting us up over the years, creating this happy little make-believe existence with their their E.T. and their Men in Black movies just so that nobody would believe it if it really happened. I think so. And this, of course, comes to us from director Robert Rodriguez. And it had this massive Tommy Hilfiger product placement thing going through it, so all the characters are wearing uh, wearing Tommy. It's got one of the best soundtracks of the late 90s. I mean, honestly, I still listen to this soundtrack to this day. Um, And just a cast of, like, the adults, the adults who are in it, are all really amazingly cast. It was like Jon Stewart, uh, Baby Newworth, just a hell of a roster. Uh, Famke Janssen, I think, is in there. And, of course, there's some quite just amusing alien effects. Not brilliant CG or anything, but just 
amusing effects. And of course, big shout out to the scariest man in the whole movie, Sir Robert Patrick, who finally finds a villain role worthy of his Terminator 2 clout, I think. So I can't recommend that one highly enough. Check that out on 5 Star, 10pm on Tuesday night. I I know you and I love this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm thinking about the next movie that we've got to chat about, which is on Wednesday on the Horror Channel at 9pm, Flatliners. Um, (laughs) Now, I... The original, the original original, Flatliners. I was just trying to think about this because... So they literally... What is it? They go on... They go... They go under, like uh, under, like under anaesthetic is the only way I can kind of describe it. But to get a, a, a kind of in a matrix style way, is that right? They 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 stop their hearts. Yeah. Uh, they flatline their heartbeats so that they can get a glimpse of the other side. And then after a few minutes, they are shocked back. But of course, as we shall find out now, this does not always go according to plan. Dave, all right, atrophy intratracheal. Come on, that is a truckload, Dave. Come we on, this has got to work. This has got to work. Come on, back, Nelson. Come on, back, man. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Nelson. Come on. Come on, Nelson. Come on, Nelson. Come on, Nelson. Come on, back. He's been dead ten minutes. Do it, Nelson. Kill him. Three with Nelson. No, he's not the V-fib. No blood pressure. He's dead. Happy intracardial. No, Rachel. No. Just do it. Of Julia Roberts, of course, uh, yeah. leading the way there. You've got uh, Keith Sutherland's the guy on the table, I think, at that point. Kevin Bacon's in there, oh, Oliver Platt, and of course, cast. Billy Baldwin. Yeah, this is amazing. Like, I, I, yeah, I do remember. This is like an eight, is it 80s that this came out in? This was uh, 87. Or, uh, 87. Perfect timing 86. for this. Yeah, it's it definitely feels, it's got that whole feel. I remember watching this as one of those horror movies I was way too young to watch. So, as always, my memory of this is being absolutely terrified. Why anyone would want to play this game of Russian roulette with um, with their kind of like going and trying to see the other side mm. is crazy. But it is a great film. So if you're into horror, you haven't seen this, this is vintage horror. It's on the Horror Channel at 9 o'clock on Wednesday. Also has a really great soundtrack directed by, uh, oh God, uh, Joel Schumacher, mm-hmm. uh, who would go on to the Batman movies, and its director of uh, cinema, uh, director of photography, its cinematographer, is none other than future speed director, Yander Bont, would you believe? Nice. So, there we go. So let's move on to Thursday then, and go with something a little bit more auteur-like, I would say. Hollywood auteur, we shall say, Hollywood for its auteur. time. Okay, so that is Unbreakable on the Sony Channel, 9 o'clock. Again, I'm looking at these and I'm going, I'm pretty sure I've seen these. Um, I'm pretty sure that the, the poster for this is like a broken glass or something, or is it a butterfly? Or No, that's the butterfly effect. It, <laughs> it's broken. Yes, it's yes. broken glass. <laughs> that, would, that would make sense. Um, who's in this? So this is the second uh, the second mainstream film from uh, M. Night Shyamalan. This was his follow-up to The Sixth Sense, starred Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, Robin Wright. Uh, Spencer Treat Clark, I think, was the son as well. Uh, Bruce Willis is the sole survivor of an epic train crash from which he walks away without a scratch. And the theory then becomes, is he, like, a superhero? The city has seen its share of disasters. I watched the aftermath of that plane crash. I watched the carnage of the hotel fire. I watched the news, waiting to hear a very specific combination of words, but they never came. Then one day I saw a news story about a train accident, and I heard them. There is a sole survivor, and he is miraculously unharmed. Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson there on fine form, as it were, back then. This is before Bruce Willis started really slumming it, I think. Yeah, totally. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, yeah, those those appearances in Friends and stuff, terrible. Um, <laughs> but, but, it was um, around this time as well. Yeah, it was. Well, that's a, that's a great great show to watch. And actually, do you know what, guys? I'm going to give you a right treat to finish your week off with. Um, this is week off for us. Go on. I've got I've, I've got a big one for you. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I have. Is it a big one? It's the big one. It's the full Monty on BBC One at 10:45 p.m. Why is this not on at prime time? This is crazy on Friday. Um, it is the ultimate. It's it's the it's the pond breaker, as I like to call it, because it did so well here in the UK, but then it went phenomenally well across the pond in the US. And I have to say, Van's face, as I was saying that, looked as if I was absolutely crazy with what analogy is she bringing up now? <laughs> I've never heard of a pond breaker before. Although, you know, it, it does up. sound like the kind of... Sounds like the kind of thing they title a Daniel Craig Bond movie, doesn't it? Yeah. 007 but, in Pond Breaker. Well, look, there's not a huge amount that needs to be said that hasn't already been said about the full Monty. It's just an absolute dream of a film. Well worth a watch. Times ten quid by a thousand, right? And you've got... Yeah, well, a lot, a very lot. <sighs> hey, now, Dave, I mean, uh, it's worth a thought, though, isn't it? Oh, hi. I just see Little and Large prancing around Sheffield with the widgets hanging out. Now, that would be worth ten quid. Don't be so bloody daft. We were just saying, Widgets you know. on parade, bring your own microscope. I don't see why the chuff not, Gerald. Because you're fat and he's thin and you're both <laughs> ugly. Robert Carlyle, Mark Addy. I love this movie so much. And, of course, you know, this is a very big deal uh, to the city of Sheffield from where I am from. Oh, well, there you go. Um, from whence I came, From as whence it were. you came. Oh, just something that you're going to want to end your, end your week on and start your weekend with. What a watch for you. So we've taken you on a little bit of a journey to what you could have seen on the big screen but can't, everything you need on telly, and now we're taking you right through to everything that you can stream and also catch on DVD and Blu-ray as of Monday the 24th, and also in terms of streaming, Friday the 24th as well. Monday the 24th, Friday the 24th, we're getting confused with our dates here. Anyway. We are a bit. We yeah. are a bit. Oh, no, sorry. No, the reason for that, sorry, the reason, by the way, is that Extraction was not on the docket last week and it should have been, so it's out today. Out today. Uh, the 24th. Yes, I think it's Monday the 27th, I believe, for DVD. Who, Sorry, said, who says that we're not professional people? Anyway, no, moving on, moving on swiftly. So, available on DVD and Blu-ray are a couple of uh, gems of movies, I think. The latter, I'm definitely going to say, is, is yes. one that I'm excited to talk about. But Van, why don't you start us off by taking us through Spies in Disguise? Which I can genuinely tell you, is great fun. Okay. Now, uh, this was uh, this was an animated film starring uh, Will Smith and Tom Holland. Uh, ben Mendelsohn, I believe, was in it as well. It is the story of the greatest spy who ever lived, as played by in animated form by Will Smith. You know, he's the one-man mission. He can. He's James Bond. He can take down an entire terrorist organization just with his cool dance moves and gadgets. Sure. Uh, however, when he is framed as a traitor, he is forced to team up with uh, the plucky kid from the. You know, his spy agency's lab, uh, whose ingenious solution to hiding him from the authorities is to transform and disguise him as a pigeon. <laughs> Subject appears disoriented. Ah, uh, of course I'm disoriented! You can talk? Uh, he can talk! It worked! My eyes! It worked. What did you do to my eyes? Hey, lads, what did, look uh, at me. Look at you? I can't not look at you, Walter. I can see my butt and your face at the same time. That is so cool. Fact, 
Pigeons have 360 degree vision. Now nobody can sneak up behind you. Stop, girl, come this on. This is so great. Pigeons can be found in every major city around the world and no one notices them. It's the most perfect form a spy could take. Yes, a pigeon. I did not, that is I did not see that coming. <laughs> I fear that you might have spoiled the surprise for a lot of people just by mentioning that. <laughs> It is it's absolutely bonkers, but it's such a great time. It has a lot of fun with the mechanics of the spy world. It goes for quite a broad technical technical adventure for the kids. There are enough spy gags in there, actually, to entertain the adults, the parents, quite a bit as well. Um, I took my flatmate to the to the multimedia screening of this, and we had a whale of a time. Do you Just know, two grown men, you know, enjoying it. And that's the thing is that it's so important to be able to have that adult humour in it so that for all the parents having to be dragged to the cinema by their little ones are thinking, do you know yeah. what, it's fine, I can deal with this. Um, and I always benchmark it against something like Zootropolis and I mention that time and time mm. again, but that for me is just really, you know, it's really up there. So how does this kind of gauge against something like that? Well, like you say as well, you know, you need that adult humour in there. And of course, you've got to be very careful with how you balance that because you don't want something as awkward as I find the original Shrek movie, for instance, is where it's, you know, it's a family film that then weirdly has this penis joke in it that I can't <laughs> quite work out how it's there. But uh, anyway, don't get me started on Shrek because that movie is all sorts of flawed when you even begin to look at it. But uh, I think this is very well balanced. I think this is perfectly done. Uh, there's, and if you really start to look into it, there's some... You know, they don't shy away from some of the really nastier aspects of espionage. Oh, interesting. Well. Oh, that's good. So you've got to be quite eagle-eyed hmm. to kind of see some of those more adult themes that run through it. I think so. This is not as glaringly in your face as, for instance, Shrek is. But, as I say, Spies in Skies, it's a great movie. It's worth checking out. But I know that you are chomping at the bit and you are desperate to talk about our next DVD offering. Yes, I, I am, <laughs> literally. Um, it is The Gentleman, Guy Ritchie, back to fine form with this film. And oh, yes. I have to say, I missed it at Christmas, so I was um, I managed to only catch it only a couple of weeks ago, and I sat down and was like, do you know what, I've been desperate to watch this, and I'm, I'm so excited to have seen it. And the thing is, is that I, I do love it because... It is the, the Guy Ritchie of yesteryear. You've got a great cast in there. You've got Hugh Grant playing such a non-Hugh Grant character in this, which is... Uh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, very much. Charlie Hunnam's in it, and anyone that used to watch Queer as Folk and hasn't seen things like Sons of Anarchy, yes, it is the same kid as in Queer as Folk. Um, <laughs> and then you've got um, Henry Goulding's in it as well. Who else have we got? Who am I missing out of this? It's a great cast. Uh, Colin Farrell. You, Colin you, you've Farrell. missed Colin Farrell out. Yeah, sometimes I do. In fact, I'll tell you what... <laughs> Let's let let's give you two great actors in one. In fact, let's give you three great actors in one go. I'm going to give you a scene that will combine the talents of Colin Farrell, Eddie Marson, and Charlie Hunnam. And this is, of course, a sequence whereby uh, Colin Farrell has... I almost said Colin Firth. Colin Farrell has, of course, drugged Eddie Marsan as part of a blackmail attempt and has woken him up to discover that he has uh, filmed him doing obscene things with a pig. Here you go. How's your man then, coach? Ah, he'll survive. Wouldn't have been the pig I would have chosen, no. <laughs> you know what bit that is? Good Lord. I mean, I was there and I'm still shocked. Is that who I think it is? Yeah, it certainly is. And that's your doing. You can't unsee it once you've seen it, can you? No, you can't unsee it. It's nightmare fuel. That'll be with me forever. 
I love Colin Farrell so much in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's what's he called? He's called the coach, isn't he? In this, he's um, he is the coach <laughs> indeed. Yeah. His opening sequence is in like a kebab shop. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, this oh, is God. this is like um, oh Matthew McConaughey. Haven't we forgotten about him? Matthew McConaughey. We forgot Matthew McConaughey. Oh my wow. God. A brilliant pub scene as well of, of him just walking in and asking for a pickled egg. <laughs> I was just going to say, best opening line yeah. of Matthew McConaughey's entire career. Give me a pint and a pickled egg. Yeah, lovely. I love it. So so basically, uh, he plays Mickey Pearson, who's like this American expatriate. He, be- he became rich because... He basically was a really good drug dealer. Um, he's a sort of weed kingpin, isn't he? He's sort yeah. of like he, he's sort of foregone the cartel stuff. He's his version of Scarface is more gentle and yeah. plant friendly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when his wor- when word gets out that basically he's looking to to cash out on the business, it suddenly triggers all of these plots and schemes by lots of people and loads of mm. shady characters basically step in to try and get hold yeah. of his fortune. So it's a fascinating what ra- wild ride of London gang. The things that we loved from Guy Ritchie, he should really stop trying to do like things like King Arthur and just go back to what he's really good at and just do that every few years and I think he'll be set. I absolutely agree. I mean, I said at the time, because I was on the ad campaign for this one. Oh, really? Um, I think, yeah, I'm the talk radio quote, I think, on the poster for this nice. one. Um, but this, I think it's very meta. It's very knowing. It plays with, it literally plays directly with the conventions of cinema by almost at one point having uh, Hugh Grant read the actual script. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, I say, it's very meta. It's very knowing. I think it's Guy Ritchie's best film since Snatch. Yeah. I think if you had this as a part three of that original trio of films, it would have been a, we'd live in a very different world. Uh, I just think it's an absolutely great movie. I think uh, McConaughey's brilliant in it. Uh, I can't decide if I prefer Colin Farrell. Farrell or Hugh Grant in this because they're both absolute scene stealers and uh, it does feature uh, Michelle Dockery from uh, Downton Abbey featuring one of my favourite lines of dialogue which we can't repeat for broadcast reasons uh, one of my favourite lines of dialogue very big fan I, I, I gave this two thumbs up at the time I would again I think it's tremendous oh well there you go well what a recommendation from both of us for that definitely worth watching now finally we're just going to talk a little bit about streaming this is Extraction give us a really super sharp quick rundown of this one Van so, new Netflix movie starring Chris Hemsworth and written by Joe Russo of the Russo Brothers fame. I think both the Russos are producers on this. It was called Darker as they were in production. It's now referred to as Extraction. And it stars Chris Hemsworth as... And I will, I'll add some flavour to this in a minute. But it stars Chris Hemsworth as Tyler Rake, a US, an American mercenary who is assigned to rescue the kidnapped son of a local warlord in Asia. And it is him having to protect this young boy through, you know, a sort of grim and gritty Peter Berg looking action romp. I've not had a chance to screen it yet. I've seen the trailer a bunch of times and it looks like a really solid uh, Chris Hemsworth action vehicle. I've heard good things from a couple of critic friends who did get to watch it. I think the embargo dropped yesterday. And, um, well, I'll be really honest, they had me at the initial tweet for this movie, which was Netflix putting out a tweet that said, Chris Hemsworth is Tyler Rake. And my, my my thought on that is, if you've got the bottle to just put out a tweet that says Chris Hemsworth is Tyler Rake, you, sir, have got my money. Well, there you go. Money is paid by Van Connor there for you. <laughs> so that is Extraction. That's streaming on Netflix from Friday the 24th. And that basically wraps up our show for another week. We're going to find loads more gems for you guys to check out on Freeview, on streaming, on Blu-ray, and, of course, things that should have been on the big screen 
very, very soon, but actually isn't going to be. Uh, so for now, your seven-day guide to movies, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor. And this has been Off Screen. We'll see you again and do it all again next week. Bye.